0: Hey guys, welcome to Rihanna's Lens, where I interact with you about the confidence in the STEM field and introduce you to fascinating people who passionately inhabit the scientific and technical frontiers of our society. My name is Rihanna Madhotra and I'm absolutely elated to share this podcast with all of you. On this episode, I'm joined by a guest who's currently doing her PhD in health science. She's also the founder of the International Happiness Institute of Health Science Research. I'm so glad to welcome and introduce Dr. Julian Mandridge. Thank you so much for coming on. I can't wait to begin our discussion.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm so excited
0: to, to chat with you today. It's going to be fun. Yeah, me too. I can't wait to get to know about you and hear your insights on some of the few questions that I have about your profession. So let's just get straight to it. Uh, So Dr. Jillian, I was wondering, what exactly is it that motivated you to get into this field?
1: You know, it's interesting because I think in life, you know, and especially um, when you're in high school or university, you're sort of starting to plan out your life and you're trying to figure out, you know, okay, what do I want to do? What do I want to study in school? What do I want to learn? And so, I originally wanted to go to medical school because I really loved math and I really loved science. And so, my plan was to go to medical school. And then, um, as I was after I worked, or so I did an undergraduate degree in health science because I always loved health too. And then I decided to work for a year before I went to medical school because I wanted to get some real world experience. So, I worked um, in public health at a public health unit. And my job there, I was a research assistant. And when I was there, I started learning that, you know what, I actually really like research. I love the ability to ask questions, to try to investigate answers. And so I thought, you know, instead of going to medical school, maybe it would be better to do a master's and to learn more about research. So that's what I did. And I was actually studying childhood obesity um, because my work at the health, you know, is a lot with children and families doing like diabetes prevention and, uh, I went into my PhD, still studying childhood obesity. And then halfway through, I decided to switch topics and study happiness. And while that made me like, how do you get from there to there, from obesity to happiness? Um, but what happened was when you study obesity, you use weight so you use the your body mass index, which is calculated using your height and your weight to determine, um, if you're considered overweight or obese or not. And so that's the, the metric that we would use in our research. And I started thinking because our health is so much more than a number on a scale, right? Just because we step on a scale, whatever that number is, it doesn't actually tell us much about our, our health, what's going on inside our body. So I thought, what else does? Because what I'm always the most passionate about is figuring out how do we live our best life ever? Because we get one shot at life and I've always wanted to apply my love for research to figure out how can we live happier and healthier lives. And so I switched um, topics Uh, In the middle of my PhD, I added an extra year on to my school because I basically had to start again. Um, But sometimes you have to kind of take a step back or side in order to do something else because you know that that's what you really were meant to do. And so I did that. And now uh, I love it. So I study the science of happiness. So I learn everything about, you know, what part of happiness is in our control and what are the factors and things that we can learn about or know or understand that can uh, help us to boost our happiness.
0: I think it's awesome that you took a step back and reconsidered what field that you exactly is it that you want to get into. And um, so if that
1: was your calling, you really tell like that. that field. Yeah, you know, I think especially when we're young, we we think we want to do something, but until you actually get some real experience, you don't know if you're actually gonna like it or not, right? We try some things, we don't like them. Same as like certain sports, right? Certain people like certain sports, certain people don't. And so I think that part of the process, especially when we're in the beginning stages of our education and the earlier part of our life is trying things. And just because you try something and you don't like it doesn't make it a failure. It just means it's not right for you, but it gives you information and you get to learn more about yourself. You get to know more about who you are. You get to know more about what you're passionate about. And just as valuable information is what you're not passionate about, or you don't like. And so when we can kind of rechart our course in the middle of it, I think that that's a really important skill when we think about teeing up our life um, to be the happiest life that we can
0: create. Yeah, absolutely. Our experiences really shape what direction we want to get into. And um, if you can really tell us whether we like that field or not, maybe a childhood dream that I probably had when I was five that changes over time. Like if when I turn twenty-five, it's not necessary that I want to do the same job that I wanted to do when I was five years old. So our experiences through high school and even the job prospects that we will do in the future, that really shapes what we Um, will do finally
1: uh, for the head. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think especially in today's day and age when everything's changing all the time, there's jobs that are here today that didn't exist five or 10 or two years ago even. So I think part of the fun too is really figuring out What are the skills that I like? How do I like to spend my time? What what gives me purpose? What brings me meaning? What what energizes me when I do it? And then sort of figuring out things because the world is changing and because of how virtual everything is now, there's a lot more possibilities for different careers or different things to happen that never existed before, too. Right,
0: definitely. And uh, you also have your own startup. So what drove you to begin that journey of your life?
1: yeah so um what happened was when i was uh when i started my phd which is a four-year program but like i said i had to do an extra year because i switched topics so mine was a total of five years and um i started teaching at the university while i was there so i taught the first year health science class which was um, a really big class i had like 500 students in my class and it was sort of a general introduction to health and then i taught another class which was called health and social media so that was a fourth year class for undergraduates And it was all about how do we use social media as a tool to help us with health and with sharing healthcare information? How do we uh, figure out what is credible information versus what's not things like that. And so I was teaching those two classes and what I loved about teaching was I was able to take research that I've personally done or been involved in or read and I got to teach it to my classroom. And I love that. I love being able to share research in a way where everybody can understand because most people that you see walking down the street if you hand them a research paper they have no idea how to read it, how to understand it, how to interpret it. So I do because I'm a researcher. So I love being able to kind of translate that into information that we can actually use in our life to make meaningful change. And so as I started teaching, I realized that there's different classrooms beyond the university. And so I started working um, with different companies where I would come in and do like talks about the science of happiness or, you know, tips to boost happiness in the workplace. And it just sort of evolved from there where um, I was doing a lot of public speaking around happiness, a lot of media around happiness. And so I was having all these people ask me to come into their organizations all the time. And so I thought, well, this is an opportunity where I can I can essentially teach. So I'll do you know live learning um, workshops or different webinars, keynotes, things like that. Uh, where we talk all about the science of happiness from a variety of different lenses, but it just sort of naturally evolved based on what I was doing. Um, and so I thought, you know, i better put some structures in place to make this um, something that is sustainable and something that we can grow. So that's what I did. I created my um, company called the international happiness Institute of health science research. And so not only do we conduct original research because that's something as a researcher, I love doing research. Um, but we also do a lot of work with organizations and brands um, both in media and in, um, in person and virtually online uh, all sort of under the umbrella though, of the science of happiness and helping people to make happier, healthier lives lead help, happier, healthier lives.
0: Yeah, that really sounds so fascinating. I also think it's so awesome that you merge two things that you really love together and pursue that. So uh, how's your experience been in this um, new startup that you have just founded?
1: You know, it, it's, it's interesting because one of the things um, when people ask me what I do, I say I'm a happiness researcher because I study the science of happiness. And then Oftentimes, people will sort of look at me and they'll like tilt their head, they'll look all confused. And I know if there was like a thought bubble, if it was a cartoon, and the thought bubble was coming out of their head, it would say like, what's that? Right? Because we haven't heard of happiness researchers before. It's not something, you know, if I told you I was an obesity researcher, you would have said, oh, Jillian studies obesity. If I was a nutrition researcher, oh, Jillian studies nutrition. But because the science of happiness, studying happiness from a scientific lens is a fairly new field. So up until about the 1980s or so, which is relatively new in terms of academic literature it's not that old of a field um it's just not as common it's exploding right now there's a ton of work being done and I think being in this pandemic has really heightened people's awareness and interest in learning about happiness and mental health so we're seeing huge growth in the field but it's fairly new and so people will often ask me like what is that is that a real job can you study happiness And so a lot of the work that I'm doing right now is around that and being like, yes, you can, just like you can study. If you want to get healthy and strong, you can study, you know, different exercises and fitness to learn how to make your body healthy and strong. Um, There are things that we can do to boost our happiness, because what's really cool that we know from the research now is that a part of our happiness is genetic and a part of our happiness is affected by the environment, which I think we can all agree with all the lockdowns and the restrictions in our environment. And then there's this third piece And it's a very meaningful piece of the happiness puzzle. And that piece is up to us. So that is our thoughts, our actions, and our behaviors. And what we know is that when we focus on that part, we can actually see meaningful change in our happiness. So it's not just a matter of, oh, like, I'm feeling really happy in the moment I get a boost and then I go back down. Uh, What we know now is that just like if you want to go into the gym and you want to exercise and over time your muscles get bigger and stronger, essentially when we focus on our thoughts, our actions and our behaviors and do more things to cultivate happiness in our life. Our happiness muscle grows. So we know that not only is it possible to increase our happiness short term, but we can actually increase it and sustain it over time. And so all of my work the, focuses on that piece of happiness. What are the thoughts, actions, and behaviors that we can do or not do uh, in order to not only boost our happiness in the moment, but also to sustain it over time at a higher level?
0: Oh, wow. These three factors really help me to understand what exactly is that causes our endorphins to be reduced, and definitely throughout this pandam- pandemic. um, mm. the, Our mental health has been a huge factor, especially by being stuck at home and not being able to go out. Me, my, uh, myself, I loved going out and I couldn't interact with any of my friends. It was, it was really sad to just stay at home, but I think that was for the better because Uh, It really helped to improve the conditions, but still it really had a toll on everyone's mental health. So this new um, area of uh, work, it's excellent. And I think it's a great idea and you should definitely go ahead with it. So um, (laughs) (laughs) are there any other big projects that you're working on in your film?
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm actually working on a book right now. Um, because I do a lot of talks and stuff and I haven't actually taken pen to paper actually more it's like fingers to keypad Um, so I'm going on a little mini retreat in September uh, and I'm going to start working on that Um, so that's exciting and then I co-led last year in January and February um, a colleague of mine from the University of Toronto Uh, her name is Dr. Rami Billin her and I partnered with the Canadian Mental Health Association because I'm based out of Canada and what we did was we did a large national study looking at happiness in the workplace so we wanted to know things like what factors in impact how you feel at work what are things that make you unhappy at work where are the problems where are the areas where things are really working well so we did a big national study we had over 1100 Canadians from all across the country participate in our study and so the challenge became that we did the data collection last year in January and February And we were planning on releasing the results in March, Uh, specifically on March 20th, because that's the International Day of Happiness. We thought that would be a great day to share the results of the study. And then here in Canada, our lockdown started on, I think, the 16th or the 17th of March. Um, So we had to sort of hit pause on that research because we thought we just started a pandemic. We've never lived in this before. How can we talk about happiness in the workplace when nobody has a workplace to go to, because they have to stay home and people are scared and fearful and people are not feeling happy. So it didn't feel like an appropriate time to be talking about happiness in the workplace, not to mention the workplace has changed so much since then. So what we decided to do was that we have a big snapshot of happiness in the workplace right before the pandemic began. So once things start to settle down and go back to like quote unquote normal or new normal or whatever you want to call it. Um, We're going to do a second time point to see what's changed, what's gotten better, what's gotten worse, and how has the pandemic influenced our happiness in the workplace. So Right now we're working on developing the tool and the additional questions um, for the second phase of the study. But I'm really excited um, to dive into that and to see more about sort of specifically looking at the workplace and how happiness affects that um, coming up. So that'll be really cool.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. And also throughout the pandemic, I think all of us have become more technologically adept because (laughs) um, who thought we'd be having meetings over Zoom and not in person? And it's just a whole new world that we have just unlocked. And there's definitely more uh, technologically um, advancing things that are going to help us with our careers and our education. So we can all watch out for that and see where that leads us to. But those projects are really awesome. And um, so what is the most rewarding aspect um, for being a a happiness happiness researcher? So what's the most rewarding aspect for you?
1: Most important one. Mm. It's a good question. You know, I think one of the things that's been coming up a lot for me right now, um, is that I think sometimes people think that because I study happiness, I'm happy all the time. And one of the things, and, and if I'm totally honest, when I first started studying happiness, I thought to myself, like from a personal perspective, I thought, okay, Jillian, like, how do you feel day to day? And sometimes I would feel sad or anxious or afraid or down. And I thought, I don't want to feel those things because those things don't feel good. So I want to just get rid of those and just figure out how to be happy all the time. And so when I first started studying happiness, I thought, I don't know how to do that, but I do know how to do research. So why don't I try to figure it out? That was my goal. And what I quickly came to learn was that the goal is not to be happy all the time. So when we look at the research. There's actually research where they study people that have the goal of being happy all the time. And those people are less happy. Than other people which is kind of confusing when you think of it at the beginning because they're like if they're trying to be happy why are they not as happy but the reality is we can't be happy all the time we need highs we need lows we need all, a whole spectrum of human emotions because that's what it's like to be a human and sometimes difficult things happen sometimes sad things happen And it's really more about not feeling the way we feel in that moment, but it's how are we we going through it? What are we learning from it? Are we being resilient? Are we taking the time to feel sad if we're feeling sad today? If we're not having a good day, instead of just sort of bottling it up or pushing it down or pretending like it's not happening, it's really about, you know, getting comfortable in all of the emotions, the uncomfortable ones and the really positive and pleasant ones. And I think especially in the pandemic, this is something I really want and I have been talking about a lot because, I'm a happiness researcher and I'm not happy all the time, but that's not the goal. And I think if we can all give ourselves permission to accept how we're feeling, to stop judging ourselves and being so hard on ourselves for feeling how we feel, especially when we're living in a world where one day is completely different than the next. And we don't know if we can stay home. We have to stay home today. And we don't know, we haven't seen a lot of our friends and our family and done a lot of the activities that used to bring us a lot of happiness. Um, Really getting comfortable and with this idea of, feeling however we're feeling and knowing and giving ourselves that permission. Of, if I'm not feeling happy today, that's okay. Because that's not the point and that's not the goal. And I think that that's an important part of the conversation that I've learned from studying happiness that has really helped me, especially in the times when I'm feeling sad or down, or I'm really missing my friends or I'm missing the things that I used to do or, or stuff like that. It's really reminding myself that you know the research, Jillian, you know, you're not supposed to be happy all the time. So give yourself that grace. Um, So that's something that's been really important for me that I've learned and has really helped me even from a personal perspective, as especially we've navigated uh, living in this pandemic.
0: Yeah, beautifully said. And um, like you uh, stated that it's not, the goal is not to be happy all the time. It is to unleash your emotions and really uh, know what you're feeling instead of suppressing it into happiness or any other emotion that you don't really want to show. So um, I think that's really important, so rightly said. And uh, you're also interested in the STEM field. So uh, why do you think more people should join these fields?
1: Yeah, you know, I uh, all of my degrees are in health science. And I also actually, um, the biggest children's hospital in Canada is called SickKids and it's based out of Toronto where, where I live so I actually do research at sick kids as well, part-time. Um, and it's, it's a program called meant to prevent, which is actually a collaboration. There's 13 Canada's children's hospitals in Canada. And so all of the hospitals have come together for this project to really help families and specifically parents learn how to raise healthy kids. So one of the things that is a problem out there right now is that there's a lot of information, right? We open up our phone, we go on Google, we type in, you know, like, what food do I feed my kid or what's healthy food or what's healthy exercise or how much sleep do my kids need? And there's so much information. And so parents are very overwhelmed because how do I know that the information that I'm reading, I could trust, you know, even unless I go talk to my doctor, I talk to a nurse. And so we've actually created this resource hub. Um, and on the team, we have doctors, we have researchers like myself, we have nurses, dietitians, exercise physiologists, psychologists, and we vet, information. And then we put it on the site so that parents can go to the site and know that they trust that information. And my, my, what makes my heart smile about that is because that comes from science, right? Science is something that it doesn't necessarily answer our questions, but it gets us closer. It sort of points the needle different ways because I think the goal is not to just figure everything out. It's about the learning process and the journey. And so I think that being, you know, in science and learning how to use science and technology to be able to impact our lives in a positive way is such an important thing. And I think I also love about science, you know, to be able to to follow the scientific method and to be able to learn how to not only ask questions, but how do I ask better questions? And am I really asking what I want? So I've learned a lot about, you know, my, my languaging. Um, I've learned a lot about studying different things. What am I measuring? How do I interpret things? And to me, that's been such a gift because I've been able to learn more by learning more. And uh, so I just think it's, it's an amazing field. There's more and more women in it all of the time. Um, and it's just a really great place, place to be if you're somebody that's curious, if you're somebody that likes to ask questions, that wants to try different things, that wants to be okay with being wrong, your guesses could be wrong. You don't know, right? That's what you look to the data for. Um, But I think because I have such a love of learning and a love of being able to try to understand things as best as I can, um, it's such a great field for people that have brains that kind of think like that, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the entire STEM fields are so vast. There's so many places we can get into. Um, and science, it's all, it's all necessary. It's just about research. There's so much to it. And uh, mm-hmm. in technology, it's one field that is just advancing so much. And um, especially, like I said before, during this pandemic, I think we haven't shown much progress in technology until now. Um, mm. We have found so many different ways of video conferencing and uh, who knew we could have school over um, Zoom calls and <laughs> we were all so focused on having school like offline and it was all just so new in the start of the pandemic. It's like we were entering this new world and now it just seems like a normal day for us.
1: So, uh, it's right? It's true and I think that's one of the other really cool things about the STEM field is we wouldn't be able to do that if it wasn't for technology. And there's so much that's new and constantly evolving and I think that people that gravitate towards that field are people that are uncomfortable are comfortable being uncomfortable or maybe figuring things out or learning to work with technologies that they've never used before. Or figuring out how to use technologies in different ways and how do we, once we're using them, how can we grow them or expand them or use them in different settings? And so from that perspective too, right, like look at how we've adapted in the pandemic and how how many people can use Zoom now versus before, right? Or how we can have Microsoft Teams meetings with, you know, our whole department or our whole class. And whereas before the idea of all being at home and being together would have seemed like a, like a silly suggestion to even think of, right? And now here we are, we do it every
0: right definitely it's must be quite hilarious to go back like 10 years ago and you just go back and tell our past selves oh you're going to be attending your classes or you're going to uh, be having conferences over zoom calls and uh, our past selves would probably just laugh at us and be like oh wait what are you talking
1: about (laughs) i know it's actually funny so one of the classes that i taught at the university this is going back like maybe seven years ago uh was this class it was a new class at the time called health and social media And I had a friend um, that started up a business um, with a product called the 5-Minute Journal, which was a gratitude journal. And it was becoming very popular and it was sort of at the beginning of when people were talking about gratitude. And so I wanted to come in and talk about how he was using social media uh, as a way to help people be more grateful and how he started the company and how it's working right now, what their challenges have been. And as luck would have it, so he, uh, my university was um, in Canada and he was away and I think Bali or something like that on vacation. And then there was something that happened with the flights. And so he wasn't able to be back in time for the lecture. And so I remember going to the IT department and saying, I need to Skype somebody into my class. So I want to Skype him on my laptop, but I need the audio and I want a camera so he can see the class. And it was like a whole thing. We had like five IT people in the classroom trying to figure out like, how do we get Skype on the projector? How do we talk? And he gave a virtual lecture because he he couldn't be there. And at the time, that was something that was like, it took five of us to figure out how to do it. And these people work in IT. And so now we fast forward to now where every lecture pretty much is a virtual lecture. So it's, it's pretty interesting to see in such a short amount of time how technology can be such a tool and how we can use it in so many different ways.
0: Yeah, now it's just a cakewalk for all of us. We just need to click a few things and we're done. Before, we had to call thousands of people to come and help us but how exactly to go about things. Mm. <laughs> and lastly, Dr. Judeen, is what's advice what advice would you like to give to someone that wants to join the same field as yours?
1: Mm. I think um, that one of the things that has really helped me was having mentors along the way. Uh, because you can learn so much from people that have been doing things longer than you and have been in the field longer than you, and come from a different background than you. Um, and so, any way that you can get involved with people that are further along in your field is such a valuable thing. I used to volunteer in in labs at the university just so that I could watch people do research because I didn't know what it was. I used to volunteer to, you know, be a research assistant, or I, I worked as a research assistant as well. Um, Learning like how to write, write research papers, because before I wrote my own, it was really helpful for me to help other people do theirs so I could learn how to do it. And not only that, I always asked questions and I always tried to go above and beyond to make their life easier because they appreciate it. But you learn so much from that. And so especially in the beginning, I had so many people that helped me. And you know, I would take the initiative. So it's not like people just come to you and they're like, hi, can I mentor you? Like it doesn't happen like that. But when you can ask people and, and reach out and find ways that you can help them, it's a learning opportunity for you too. And just like I said, you may go and say you, you know, want to get into research like like me. And you go in and you're like, you know what, this isn't fun at all for me. I don't like this. And you've learned that but it's better than you know doing a degree and coming at the other end and then actually starting to try research and you realize you don't like it so looking for volunteer opportunities um whoever if you sort of identify people that are further along than you or even just asking them questions like we are right now you learn so much from other people's stories that you can uh take to either sort of encourage you to go more down that path or maybe change your mind or challenge you, but all of those are great learning opportunities, especially when you're starting out and starting out in STEM, where it's constantly this evolving, growing, expanding field, um, having those opportunities to be able to reach out to people with more wisdom in the field than you and ask those questions is something that's was really um, significant in my In my career i wouldn't have started i would actually would have never started studying happiness if it wasn't for a mentor of me that mentioned that her sister studied happiness it was an off comment and she said or you could just check out my sister's work it's happiness and i thought you can study happiness so her off off the cuff comment that she didn't even remember changed the entire course of my life so you just never know but you have to put yourself in the situations to be able to have those opportunities and so i think it's you know really being brave being courageous asking um you know when you find people that you might want to learn from or whatever asking how can i help you trying to get creative trying to make their life easier um it, it's a win-win and something that really has had a profound impact um for sure for me on my journey
0: yeah definitely that's some really great advice well that's it for today today thank you so much dr jillian for coming on my podcast and taking your time out i had a really great time talking to you about your journey and uh, everything about your profession and to let all of you know, this podcast is now available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Raker, Google Podcasts, and Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe to all listening platforms and stay tuned for more. Dr. Julian, is there anything you'd like to say before we log off?
1: I just wanna say thank you for, for having me on and for for doing the work that you're doing. Um, you know, I think that, especially with, when we think about women in STEM, it's it's such an amazing community of people and the fact that you're able to have conversations like this and share them uh, with others is such a great gift. So I just wanted to celebrate you for that. I wish you all the best in your career um, and please reach out anytime if you have any, any other questions.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. And I uh, had a great time talking to you Well, bye-bye.
1: Hi.